The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. A very welcome information that we're about to hear from Dr. Jonathan Kale. He's a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Alberta and a leader of a study about a certain chemical in fungus that could actually help battle against the mountain pine beetle. Hello, Dr. Kale. Hello, Kelsey. How are you? I hope you can tell I'm pretty jacked for this conversation with yeah, you. it's great. It was uh, nice to hear someone enthusiastic about this uh, pine beetle research. My father worked at uh, a lumber mill his entire working career. And uh, this has been something that has been a real issue. He's, he worked at, at a mill in, in B.C. And the pine beetle, it's, it's a crisis. And I, I'm not hesitant to use that term. But what we learned last week in, in hearing from Rick Dorman was that at the time, it was actually government inaction that caused this spread to happen. It was an isolated area originally, if I'm understanding correctly, where the pine beetle was. And if they had just started cutting down those trees, we, we could have literally cut the legs off the pine beetle. But instead, they got stronger like a super flu and they could fly further and further than they were able to before. And that's why now extreme cold really doesn't have a big effect on them. And distance isn't an issue. That's why we're seeing them pop up in our national parks. Where did your interest start? Where did this start before you came to this discovery? Uh, well, my interests have always been in kind of uh, organisms, either insect or pathogens that have a tendency to just kill trees, either a small scale or, you know, landscape level scales like we're seeing in Jasper and other areas. Um, and so I have always, in my education and my research, I've always tried to um, understand those systems as well as possible so that we can then develop very effective tools at combating uh, this forest mortality in these agents. Okay, and now talk to us about this fungus. Why this? Why this could be a big savior? Or am I getting a little bit ahead of where we're at? <laughs> uh, it might be a little bit premature, um, but there's a lot of promise here for sure. Uh, so. First, the, the mountain pine beetle, um, not many people actually realize this, but the mountain pine beetle actually carry a whole community of different fungal species with it, um, wherever it goes. Uh, and every, whenever you see one beetle, there's always going to be uh, a ton of microscopic fungal spores with the beetle as well. Um, and that's because the beetle forms what we call a symbiosis or um, a critical partnership with the fungi. So in order for the beetle to survive, the fungi need to survive and vice versa. Um, and so uh, with a lot of bark beetles, mountain pine beetle and other species, um, their behavior is driven by chemical signals, largely. Um, there's some other ones too, but chemicals play very important roles in determining their behavior, whether they come to a tree or they actually stay away from a particular tree. Um, and so what we're finding here is uh, that the fungi carried by the beetle actually produce a wide variety of volatile chemicals or odors, if you will, um, that in other beetle systems and other forest pest systems have been shown to be very strong attractant to bark beetles. Um, and so many of those chemicals, yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, given off by the fungal, fungal species carried by mountain pine beetle. And so that begs the question, you know, can we use these chemicals to very strongly attract the beetle and kind of manipulate their behavior to our ends for control purposes or management purposes? There was a very welcome report out in June, just a few weeks ago, that Natural Resources Canada put out. They said they were had scientists sample 25 sites 
in Jasper National Park. And after completing this survey in May, they found that the mortality rate of the populations of pine beetle, uh, pine beetle that they had examined was 98%. They said this is the first decline in the population for the first time in six years. Does this have any coordination with either our weather or what you've discovered? I, I keep, I'm going to say fungus because I, I've, I feel uncomfortable. I would I would naturally say fungi, and I feel like you're using a more scientific version of that word. Uh, but is there a link here that maybe this fungus is spreading at the same rate that the beetles are, and that's why we're seeing them react at the same time? Um, well, I don't know. Uh, the, the cold snap and the mortality associated with it is definitely welcome news. Um, you know, but... I believe only 25 sites were sampled in that in that particular study, and so we have to kind of take that um, that mortality with a grain of salt um, because you know, I mean, Jasper in particular is a very diverse landscape with a lot of different um, temperature you know pockets here and there, and so the mortality across the entire park is probably different and maybe a little bit lower there, um, and especially at the you know broader provincial scale um, as well, um, but. The, the fungi I've been working with um, and, and uh, detecting chemicals from, again, they travel with the beetle. Wherever the beetle goes, the, the fungus goes. Um, because, again, this is a two-part system. You can't have one without the other. Um, and so maybe, you know, what we could do is uh, these mortality events are, are fantastic, but I think alone they're not going to solve the problem. Um, I think, though, we need to take advantage of maybe some of this heightened mortality and implement more direct control strategies, say, with uh, forest management practices, um, but also using um, traps. So the chemicals I found, again, if, if they are uh, very attractive to the beetle, then we can use them to enhance the attractiveness of the, of the traps that we currently use. And if we can draw more beetles into traps, then we can kill more beetles. And if we can kill more beetles, then there's less beetles out there to kill our forests. I'm trying to understand because you just said that one doesn't come without the other. So this fungus is following the beetles. Is there a way that you can you can mutate it or, or, or grow it and spread it ahead of the path of the pine beetle? Or that's just, it doesn't work? Yeah, it, it doesn't work that way. So um, essentially, you can kind of think of these fungi like, the, like our gut bacteria. So they're always with us. And their community, it's a community in our stomach, you know, or our gut um, and they change over time with certain conditions. And these beetles carry these pathogens, or the, sorry, these fungi with them as well, except for besides being, uh, except for being internal, they're external. And so um, the beetles actually feed on these fungi when they're uh, developing in the tree. So when a beetle attacks a tree, it actually injects the fungus uh, and a whole wide, wide variety of fungi into the tree. Those fungi infect the tree and actually spread within it and weaken the tree's defenses. And then the beetle is able to feed upon that, that fungus, you know, gain nourishment as it's growing and developing, um, and then also take advantage of kind of the weakened tree. So again, it's this two-part system here that you, you can't have one without the other. Okay, I'm still trying to get, if, if this is going to be something that can help combat it, it sounds like this fungus is actually an issue. This is what could potentially be killing the tree faster. So if this is something the pine beetle is carrying with it, is it a friend or foe to the pine beetle? Because it sounds like it's more of a foe to the pine tree itself. Yeah, it's definitely a foe to the pine tree, and it is a friend to the beetle. However, 
Um, I think there are many chemical signals that are given off by the fungi that, um, and again, we're kind of working out the ecology a bit here, but uh, I believe that the beetle might be um, sensing and influencing, uh, directing its behavior toward. And so if we can maybe exploit that chemical relationship, that, that uh, modification of the beetle behavior by the fungal chemicals, then we can maybe improve our own management practices. So it's kind of taking advantage and exploiting this uh, partnership between the fungus and the beetle. So once you make this discovery, where does it go? Where does this information go? Yeah, so um, next we will be developing field trials to actually try to find out exactly uh, how much chemical and which combinations of chemicals seem to be the most attractive to the beetle. Um, and from there, we can make recommendations to uh, the province or management companies um, to maybe use this for monitoring the beetle, detecting the beetle in new areas, understanding how big its populations are so that we can uh, more effectively direct uh, forest management practices there, as well as um, increasing the attractiveness of, of traps to actually kill beetles and take them out of our environment in our forests. Dr. Kale, thank you for the, the time and the work that you're doing. This is obviously something that is top of mind for many of us who really enjoy spending time in the Rocky Mountains and are seeing the devastation firsthand. Thank you very much, Kelsey. Happy to, happy to help. That's Dr. Jonathan Kale, a postdoctor fellow, a researcher at the University of Alberta and the leader of the study about the chemical found in fungus that could actually help us in the battle against that mountain pine beetle.